It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hey, friends, this is Andy. I want you to meet Dario Priolo. He's the CMO and demand generation practice leader at Sales Performance International. We sell high value solutions with long sales cycle and there are many influencers involved. His team wanted to drive more revenue from their target accounts, but they needed a breakthrough. Well, we really had to look at dozens and dozens of providers. And when we did that, when we did our research, we ultimately decided that Engageo was right for us. Engageo's account-based marketing and sales platform enables teams to measure account engagement and orchestrate human connections at scale. Opportunities in our target accounts are up 25% and pipeline is up 30%. It's made them a lot more productive. They really now have a platform that allows multi-channel, multiplayer outreach to manage these complex relations in very large accounts. Marketing now has outstanding visibility into the most engaged accounts, and they really know where to focus their efforts much better. Head over to Engageo.com forward slash accelerate to download their clear and complete guide to account-based sales development today. That's Engageo.com forward slash accelerate. Hello and welcome to Accelerate. I am really looking forward to talking with my guest today. Joining me is Ralph Barcy. Ralph is Senior Director, Global Demand Center for ServiceNow, and he leads their worldwide sales development function. And uh, gosh, we've met each other at, at trade shows off and on over the last several years. So Ralph, welcome to Accelerate. Thank you, Andy. Great to be here. Oh, it's great to have you. So take a minute, fill out that bare bones introduction I gave. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, so uh, I am Ralph Barcy. I oversee what we call at ServiceNow the Global Demand Center, which essentially is our worldwide sales development function. So uh, in all parts of the world. Uh, we have teams that really focus on all the top of funnel activities, uh, setting appointments, uh, and getting uh, premature pipeline going for our field sales team. And I, I just love doing this. And I'm I'm thrilled to be here. And, I, and you are correct. We have met at many trade shows <laughs> throughout the years. And in fact, Andy, I remember first hearing a webinar with you on it in 2010, 2011. Wow. Uh, is that when Zero Time Selling yeah. came out? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Tail, you tail. may have been, it may have been a promotional tour. Yeah. <laughs> the tail end but, of 2011, uh, heard, yeah. There you go. So I heard, I heard you uh, on a webinar way back when, and I keep an online repository of little nuggets that I hear at these trade shows that we attend and you know, obviously the webinars that I, that I listened to. And at the time you were talking about leads being like lottery tickets right? and how much money's underneath that unscratched lottery ticket. And I just loved it. And, uh, it's a note that I still refer to to this day when I'm addressing the team. So anyway, it's great to be here. Yeah. It's great to have you. So what was your first job in sales? Uh, first job in sales was, uh, for UPS, United Parcel Service, uh, right out of college. I started as an accountant executive. Uh, what was interesting working for UPS was that you don't, you know, you don't sell by going through the front door and talking to the gatekeeper. It's all done through the back door. Mm -hmm. You're going to the roll up dock and, and uh, you're talking with the, with the shipping managers and supply chain executives in the back in the warehouse. And uh, it's a different type of sale altogether. Uh, you know, they're not into, Hey, you call them four or five times first to book an appointment. It's more like you walk up and uh, they're either 
available that that moment or they're not. So uh, you got to be really quick on the draw, and you've got to bring value pretty fast too. And you gotta you gotta be in the field. <laughs> That's yeah. You actually got to go out and do it. That's you got to right. go out and do it, which is how I got my start in sales. And interesting question that sort of comes to mind is you know we hear a lot today about. You can pick up a blog post nearly every day, and there's something published about how to get past the gatekeeper if you're, you know, an SDR and you're making a phone call. And I was thinking, okay, when I was <laughs> calling, we had physical gatekeepers. I thought that was a little more difficult than getting by one on the phone. What'd you think? Oh, for sure. I mean, and you've you've got to really uh, you've got to stop focusing on you at that point and really focus on them. When you're looking them in the baby blues and they're sitting right in front of you. Uh, you've got to you've got to have a pitch very fast as to why you're even there and why you need five minutes of uh, their boss's time, for example. And also, it's right in your face that they are people too. And uh, sometimes, you know, you have to get to know them first, and that might take a while until you can finally get through uh, to the to the um, decision makers that you really want to have conversations with. Yeah, which is a good lesson, though, too, for if you're an SDR and you're encountering a gatekeeper is, is yeah, how do you enroll the gatekeeper in the success that you want to achieve? You know, how does that align with what they're trying to achieve for their their supervisor? For sure. And so many times I've used that analogy uh, with teams who are prospecting into accounts, for example, and when they call and get a voicemail greeting and hit zero, and that person, maybe it's a switchboard operator answers, you really need to visualize yourself walking into an office building and looking at that switchboard operator and trying to navigate your way through the business. And when you put your focus on that visual, you tend to have the conversation flow that goes with it, and you're going to get where you need to go. So tell us a little bit about ServiceNow and how you're organized, your inside sales function. Sure. Uh, so ServiceNow is a fabulous place to be. Uh, they started out in San Diego, which is a place near and dear to both of our hearts. Yes, it is. Uh, and, and they focused on streamlining IT service management. So anytime a company has a request that needs to be fulfilled, and typically that request comes to the IT team and is fulfilled by the IT team, ServiceNow built a platform that streamlined that workflow. And over time, uh, through the evolution of the company and the scale of the customer base, the company has broadened the offering into all different business units within an enterprise. So we, the Global Demand Center, are tasked with really driving repeatable, scalable, viable pipeline uh, of new prospects for us to work with as we broaden our par- portfolio. And um, enterprise-grade yeah, enterprise customers? That's correct. Okay. That's correct. All right. And uh, yeah, we're, we're worldwide. So um, we have the APJ region uh, where we have uh, a team in Sydney, Singapore, and Tokyo. In the Americas, we are in San Diego and Boston. And then in EMEA, we are in London, Amsterdam, and Frankfurt. So it's, uh, it's a great time to be here right now. So how many inside sales reps do you manage? We have 120 people on my team in my organization, 80% of them are what we call account development reps. They're the ones who are on the phones and doing the prospecting and the inbound lead follow-up. And then the other 20% are either frontline managers or directors. All right. And you call them account development reps. Is that... Yeah, uh, ADRs. Is that a clue? So different acronym. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, and it has nothing to do with the financial ADR. But is, is, that a, right. is that a hint that perhaps you guys are using account-based sales development? Uh, we are to an extent. In fact, it's uh, it's relatively new in our organization. Uh, we're, we're getting better at, 
it, but I wouldn't say we're full-fledged, you know, account-based sales development yet. So what's, what's remaining to be done to, to help you get there? Yes. So it's really the, um, we need uh, better ways to discern what contacts are the most viable ones we want to reach as we expand into, as I mentioned, different business units. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had so many IT contacts that we've had conversations with over the years. And as we broaden the uh, offering into these different business units, obviously there's a whole new set of not just contacts, but as you know, it's just a whole new set of teams that make the decision because, you know, gone are the days of the sole decision maker. So we're always looking for the insights and intel and data on all the different contacts that we need to talk to in a business. Yeah. And I think Gartner was saying that something like this past year, 2015, like 70% of IT decisions are no longer made by IT. Yeah, that's, uh, sounds right. Yeah. Sounds right. In our experience, that's what we're finding out. And also, I mean, IT is still involved uh, in most of the decisions, especially with what we offer. But uh, no, they're not making the sole decision any longer like like they did maybe 10 years ago. Okay. So we had been talking before, and I thought it'd be good to get into here is because is, we're talking about you've managed this team of, of ADRs. Is, is you, sir, have <coughs> five, what you consider, sir, barriers to a sale that you're seeing fairly frequently uh, with that group. And so what are those? Yeah, I appreciate you bringing it up. So over my career in sales, Andy, I have seen these five barriers surface over and over and over again. So I decided to just start talking more and more about it. So the barriers are number one, obscurity. Number two, a lack of focus. Number three is inactivity. Number four is no conversation flow. And then number five is just the failure to keep improving. Okay. And I can go into the, into the well, weeds well, well, on yeah. all five, but my Lord. We're going to. They we're going to jump right into the weeds, both feet. So, cool. Cool. so let's start with obscurity. And because this is, yeah, I think of several things when you talk about obscurity is, and we sort of start, gosh, a lot of conversation about uh, building a personal brand. <laughs> um, but, yeah. you know, there's more to than that. So what else are you thinking about when you talk about the obscurity? Yeah. So, uh, you know, especially people who are in a sales development function, they're doing everything they can to learn as much about the prospects that they're about to call or about to email or about to engage. And what they're mis- what, the- what they continue to make a mistake on is that those prospects don't know who they are. The prospects don't know who the sales development representative is. Mm-hmm. And so I'm imploring sales development reps across the globe to better your brand and start focusing on the value you're bringing to the marketplace. Because I firmly believe that the more value you bring to the marketplace, the more valuable you become. And if you are trying to become a great salesperson in your career, you need to get to a point where you've been hustling so much that you no longer have to introduce yourself. And so it really starts with, yeah, just the building of brand from your social media profile to what you're deciding to put into the ether in terms of value. Okay, so yeah, let's break down a couple of those, some specific examples. So we can start with your yep. link, your LinkedIn profile. I mean, I've recently been asking a lot of uh, people in enterprises and just people are buying things. You know, I've heard people have bought something for their business is say, okay, when you first encountered the sales rep, did you look at their LinkedIn profile? And yeah. getting a pretty uniform answer, yes, I did. <laughs> and we shouldn't be surprised by that at this point. But it seems like, as you're saying, is people aren't really mindful of the fact that's happening and they're not paying attention to what they need to have in their profile to demonstrate value and demonstrate 
worthiness of the customer's time. Oh, for sure. I'm 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 really surprised to this day how many LinkedIn profile pictures, for example, are silhouettes. They're not even a profile picture. People just have not uploaded a a recent picture of themselves, and I, you're just doing yourself such a disservice, especially when if you've sent a compelling email to a prospect, for example, and they want to look you up, what they're going to do is likely go to Google. Right. They'll type in Andy Paul and uh, for most of us, some of those first search results are going to be our LinkedIn profile. Uh, it's got a great page rank on Google. So well, actually, if, they, usually if, if they type in my name, for, it'll be mine first, not theirs. Yeah. There you go. Let's <laughs> see, you put in kidding. the sweat <laughs> equity and, you know, but seriously, you've added the value to the marketplace right. to where, you know, you rise to the top of the search results with stuff you've already given the marketplace. It's not so necessarily your LinkedIn profile, but somebody in a sales development role, there it's a different boat that they're in. So, so how do you, uh, if how do you, you write that, that compelling email and you come up in the search results and it's your LinkedIn profile and the prospect clicks on it, you know, how much of the buying process can they get through just by reading about what your company does from your profile or what customers you've helped with similar business issues, et cetera, et cetera, before they decide to write back to you or even engage with you. So how many of your 120 ADRs don't have LinkedIn pictures? On the Zero. Zero. They're dialed. Oh, for sure. Excellent. Okay, I just want to make sure. For and- sure. In fact, one of the first things I did when I started at ServiceNow is I went through the entire organization that would that I would inherit, and I looked at every single LinkedIn profile and made a made a Google spreadsheet for myself, and just knew what I was going to be dealing with first when I arrived at this company. And fortunately, the LinkedIn profiles wasn't too big of a problem. And so what do you do with them relative then to the content part that you alluded to? Is yeah. do you have, you know, standard content library that each of the reps has, you know, once a week they have to share something or how do you how do you organize that and how do you measure what they're doing in that regard? Yeah, sure. One one way to do it is is by measuring the number of shares and I know that Recently, you had uh, the likes of Jamie Shanks on your podcast, yes. and uh, he just put out a great book on, on social selling mastery. And we've worked with Jamie's company, with Sales for Life, to make sure that we're measuring the activity and the return on that activity in terms of real pipeline. Uh, so it's tangible, it's measurable, and there's there's many ways you can do it. Uh, it's just something I think a lot more businesses need to start looking into and maybe taking a little more seriously than they might today. And really, the bottom line is, especially in the enterprise or organization such as yours, is the responsibility. We'd like to say, yeah, the sales reps, the ADRs, they should be SDRs, they should be motivated to do it. But as a manager, if they're not, you need to take the responsibility to make sure that you're coaching them and training them what they need to do to overcome this obscurity issue as you talk about it. Absolutely. And I, I think uh, a lot of attention needs to be paid on the marketplace that you're selling in, the critical business issues that your company has already resolved for other like businesses or like contacts, and start sharing those types of insights, those, those type of types of stories and metrics in your LinkedIn profile versus like, I crushed quota eight quarters in a row, and this is all about me. Instead, focus on the marketplace that you work in and, and what lift you've been able to provide. Right uh, through your services, and that's that's really going to resonate with your audience. Well, and th- right, and I think you know if we look at this realistically, and sure, everybody uses LinkedIn to a certain degree, also for looking what that next opportunity is going to be, even if they're not proactively looking. Is I think reps need to understand that people are going to be much more potential employers are going to be much more impressed with 
thoughtful content that you might be sharing that demonstrates a passion and an acumen about what it is you're selling versus saying, yeah, I crush quota when you know people discount and don't believe those numbers anyway. Absolutely. And when you're sharing the content that has piqued your interest and you think it's towards sharing, put a little comment in there like, hey, this is a top five list of these three areas. And, you know, I particularly like number four and five because of this, that or the other. And now you've got a little humanization added to it. And uh, people know that you actually read what you're putting out, what you're sharing, and uh, you think it's going to add value. And it certainly will if it's genuine. Okay. So let's jump to the next one. Number two on this was focus or lack of focus. And yeah. this this is this is a huge one. I I like I don't say lecture, but I give workshops on this this issue <laughs> about yeah you know, how to be focused when you're oh, engaged for sure. when you're engaged with a customer when you, when you actually manage to get some of their time. You know how do you make sure that you're really present? You're there. You know not to sound too you know wispy. You know in the moment, which is really important. Mindful of what's going on. Yeah, you know, we we're all of us, Andy, we're hit with this deluge of information now 24 seven, because of, you know, the strengths of technology, and what it can bring literally to our mobile phone in in the blink of an eye. And, and it's very easy to be distracted. And with the sales development rep role in particular, you know, SDRs or ADRs or BDRs, whatever you want to call them, they're not in that role very long. I mean, the average tenure is maybe 18 to 24 months. Uh, A lot of the reps themselves, their jaws would drop thinking, oh my God, this is an eternity. When in reality, it's a very finite, limited amount of time for you to A, learn all there is that you can in terms of sales and business acumen, et cetera, et cetera. And then on the flip side, your business and the leader on your team has a very finite, limited amount of time to invest in you in developing your competencies and your skills. So you've really got to focus. You've got to focus on, you know, bettering your brand, sharpening your skills. If you are, for the most part, reps are aspiring to become great salespeople, this is the time to learn and the time to master your craft. What? Yeah, and that, that focus is talking about really two dimensions, right? And we're going to talk about the second dimension in terms of learning your craft as number five. But to yep. me, I mean, I just gave a workshop two weeks ago to an inside sales team, 80, 80 reps inside. And yeah, I, <laughs> I, I took my cell phone on my pocket and said, okay, who, raise your hand if you keep your cell phone on your desk while you're making calls. Yeah. They all do. Yeah. I said, well, why, why isn't that in your desk drawer? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you're blocking out time to call prospects. Why is that phone on your desk? Why isn't it in your desk drawer? What, what could possibly be happening on that phone that you need to know of while you're talking to a prospect that you may have called 15 times before to try to get hold of? That's right. Oh, man. So, so, so bang on is what I call that. Yeah. So, so that, that when people you know, think about focus, is think about the little things. You know, you've got this instrument of temptation that we carry around in our pockets. These are smartphones. And yeah, just put them in your drawer. Turn it off. Yeah, if it, you know, if anything, Andy, if you really need to use your phone, why don't you use your phone to see what the aesthetics of your emails look like? You know, because that's where most of your prospects are looking at your email if they're reading your email. I mean, is it do they have to scroll? Uh, what's the font look like? Do you break up your paragraphs and sentences properly? How does it? How is your email structured on a mobile device? That is, there's a great reason to use your phone. 
Sure, but not while you're on the phone with another prospect. I mean, you want, to look, you want to look at that before you talk to the prospect. And, exactly. and, and the other thing with the, the focus, I think, is a key thing. I, and I'd be interested to hear how you get because, I mean, you've got a clearly a well-trained force. But, but you know, we, again, you could go online any one day and find literally thousands of articles or blogs written about, okay, if you're going to send a cold email or you're going to make a cold call, you got to do some you know, preliminary research on, on who you're writing to or who you're calling. Yeah. And what I find, just sort of as a general rule, and I'm you know grossly over-generalization, is that the companies where the reps seem to be seemingly the best trained are oftentimes the worst offenders. You know, where I'm getting emails that if they'd spent two seconds looking at my LinkedIn profile on my website, they would have seen that I'm not a prospect for what they're they're selling. I don't need a big data data logging solution or something. Yeah, you know, I'm a one man shop. So why yep. why is that? To me, it, that's really you can say well it's the fault of the reps, but it really starts at the top. Oh, I agree. Yeah, it's um, uh, what what is it? The what's the term where the fish stinks from the head? Something like that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's really uh, the leaders uh, are leading by example, whether they know it or not. Uh, they're not always going to be told that they're leading with a great example. Uh, or a bad example. People may not say anything at all, uh, but what the leaders need to be sensitive to and cognizant of is, hey, you're setting an example. You really need to walk the walk because your entire organization is watching and will model your leadership or model your example. You've got to be aware of that. Yeah. Uh, but you, yeah, also, you need, to, need to stress the importance, though, of, of these basics, which everybody talks about. And it's one of these things that, again, I think it's sort of like lead follow-up to some degree. It's it's people management assumes that it's taking place. We've talked about oh, that. So in a, we've talked about it in the sales meeting, so therefore it must be taking place. That's right. And and I think sometimes instead of focusing on purely on the metrics of how many calls we made and how many conversations we had, is start measuring did we do our research? You know, was that a, was that a, an effective email? That's right. I've I've tasked my organization, for example, with uh, I want you to uh, get five introductions brokered this week. So all of us, most of us, have pretty uh, robust networks. At least the higher you go in the organization, we have pretty rich networks, and we're well connected to the people in that network. Uh, at the very least, you should be on LinkedIn, for example, seeing who I am mutually connected with in that organization, whether it's by one or two degrees. And perhaps I might be able to warm up an introduction for you and help get you connected to the person you're trying to reach, or someone in this organization might have that connection. Uh, But if you're not even doing step one and trying to see if or how we are mutually connected, it's just an uphill climb. Yeah. And to me, this sort of gets back to the general topic we were talking about, which is lack of focus. And part of that focus is focusing on doing the things that will increase the odds of success. That's right. Over and over again. Over and over, again. over and over. Okay. And one and one includes turning your phone off, for goodness sakes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, just for two hours. If you're going to make two hours of calls, bang, two hours of call, then check your Facebook profile after that. Um, okay, third one, lack of action. Lack of action. Now, this, this, is, um, this is interesting. You wow, bring this up because, as you and I were talking before we, we got on the air here, is, is we were talking about you know the science of selling versus the art of selling. And... Given how, at least in the inside sales world, and the SDRs, BDRs, ADRs, where every you know, moment is is tracked and every activity is tracked, it's sort of funny that we'd be talking about lack of action. Yeah, exactly. Um, so 
this really stems from a model that I've always loved. It was uh, shared by Tony Robbins, and it's the RPM model, results, purpose, massive action. So essentially starting with the, the end in mind and knowing what outcome you're after, and then going one layer beneath that to the purpose. Why are you even getting out of bed every morning and coming to work? And why are you coming to work at this company? Why are you selling to this audience? So on and so forth. Uh, and then once you're in touch with what your purpose is or your trigger that's pulling you through even the roughest of times, you've got to take the massive action towards that target. So sometimes that's as simple as, I don't know, just framing up how the week ahead looks for you. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe instead of starting at 8 or 9 a.m. on a Monday morning, maybe you kind of start mentally at 4 p.m. on Sunday. And you start taking a look at the week ahead and, you know, how you're going to spend Monday and Friday. Maybe those are your bookend days of the week where you do a lot of admin work. But Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, your blinders are on and all you're doing is making phone calls and emails and just taking massive action towards the target. Well, how do you how do you block out or have your reps block out their time? Sure. So uh, let's take that that bookends example. Uh, For example, I might share with all my leaders in the organization, hey, let's do all the one-on-ones and team meetings and just internal meetings on Mondays and Fridays. And you should expect, if you're you're not having regular one-on-ones, for example, with your ADRs, you should expect an email from them every Monday with uh, what targets they're after and what they plan to accomplish by Friday. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, leave them alone. Let them do their work. Uh, you know, you can all, always measure activity records in your CRM, uh, but let them do their work. Let them make their dials and get engaged with the marketplace. And then on Friday, they recap how well they did against what they said they would do on Monday. And that's a very simple way to at least get started with framing up the week and making sure everybody's kind of on the same page. And during those Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, are you having them, you know, we're going to call two hours and because you know, it's hard to sustain the oh, momentum. For, yeah, is it two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon, or an hour at a time? How do you have them block out the time actually for calls? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's um, it really depends on where in the world they're calling, but yeah, it's usually taken in bite-sized chunks. It's you know you might want to follow the Pomodoro effect, for example, right, where right. you know you just work all out for t- exactly right. twenty-five minutes and you take a three-minute break or a five-minute break, so on and so forth. Uh, but it's usually no more than a two-hour block at one given time. And then also, you know, as leaders, we want to incentivize and add spiffs if we can, if there's a specific behavior we're trying to drive or a specific outcome we're trying to drive uh, by the end of day, for example. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of ways you can get super creative as an organization. But the, what's really important, as you know, Andy, is it's got to be a collective effort. Everyone's got to know which way north is or else you're just off in all different directions. And it's really tough to measure at that point. Right. And so do you then have, you talked about, you give your manager some sort of uh, leeway in terms of one-on-ones and their reporting and so on. Is, I mean, do you try to have more structure in it or do you try to let them sort of determine what's best for their team? No, it's there's a structure that uh, my leaders and I will follow. And then and if they want to tailor it to their specific region or office or team, there are some have teams, for example, where, where we have pretty ten seasoned reps, uh, where others have junior reps who have just started and are just trying to find a bathroom. Uh, so <laughs> if, they, if, if the leaders can tailor what our overall goals are and uh, time management goals are uh, with their respective teams, that works for me. As yeah. Long, yeah, I was as we la- all know what the 
target is. Yeah, I was only laughing because I, I, I remember that day, that first day in sales. Oh, uh, I know. It's brutal. Oh, yeah. yeah actually, it's yeah, humbling, but, isn't it? <laughs> well, gosh, more than that, I think. I mean, it's, <laughs> if, there, if there's something beyond humbling. Um, it, but I, mean, I remember the first, literally the first day uh, being sent out on calls. And I, I had no training at all. I mean, that, how'd, it, how'd like, you do it? Well, I think like the first day I went with somebody, but then like the second day I was out making calls because it was like two weeks from the time I was hired to the time I was being sent off to a training class. Yeah, and you know, I wasn't wasn't gonna. They weren't gonna have me sit around and do nothing. So, yeah, yeah. That was, <laughs> so, the, so the rubber met the road a little early. The rubber met the road very early, and uh, yeah, I said if there's something beyond beyond humbling, that was sort of it. Um, a lot of good lessons I had, learned. I had to do door to door. You know, after I sold. At UPS, I jumped into the whole dot com phase. It was the late '90s; everything was popping here in the Bay Area, and I started working for CitySearch.com. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, and I had to go door to door to different businesses to sell them the value of having a presence online, yeah. and you know, building a website and crafting a website. So, in that door to door experience, I mean, I would walk into stores. Uh, I walked into a kitchenware store one time, and I started pitching you know, the value of having a website, et cetera. And the guy, the owner just literally walked me out to the sidewalk <laughs> and just said, you know, keep pitching to all these other merchants. I have zero time for you right now. Right. Uh, yeah. Very humbling. Put your ego in check very fast. Oh yeah. You know, I, I, I love to tell stories. So I was working in the East Bay area, the San, you know, San Francisco Bay area in Oakland. Yeah. And uh, early on when it was getting discouraging <laughs> is, is I'd, buy a sandwich for lunch, and I would take it to San Leandro, which it was a place of Roadwood Park was right at the foot of the runway at Oakland International Airport. So the planes would come land overhead. Yep. And what I noticed is that after doing that for a couple of days, is that it was all the same people parked there. Oh, Lord. And as I looked at them, they were all like me. They were all young people. At that time, we were all wearing the three-piece suits, white shirts, ties, mostly male. <laughs> and I thought... <laughs> oh, yeah. These are all other sales reps that were sitting there going, why am I doing this? Why am I, why am I putting myself through this? <laughs> yeah, that's a real good exercise for gauging, like, what is my purpose? Yeah. Why, why am I in this gig? Yeah. Yeah. Those several, several of those days, I was like, oh, okay. I felt better, actually, seeing that everybody else was having the, you know, misery loves company. So, uh, yeah, you had a little crew. Uh, yeah. All right. So, let's go on to the fourth one here is, uh, fourth one was no conversation flow. Oh yeah, I hear it all the time. I hear it all the time. I, I, uh, uh, my friend Steve Richard, who runs Exec, Exec Vision, he I, actually right? does. Yeah, he does uh, Call Camp. Have you listened to Call Camp yet? Oh, or yeah. heard of it? Oh yeah, yeah. No, we actually Steve and I've recorded some some uh, interesting content around that, which will come out uh, in 2017. Awesome, awesome. Well, the premise is, you know, he has a technology that allows sales development reps to record calls, uh, basically, so that they can play back this game. To and uh, their coaches, their leaders uh, can go through these calls with them and kind of pinpoint spots where they can improve or spots that they just got to keep doing what they're doing. And uh, it's amazing when you hear some of these recorded calls on call camp and just walking around the office, uh, you hear some more junior reps have no conversation flow. They might, they might do their due diligence and research the prospects that they're really trying to engage, but then you know, who knows what they might say when that, when that uh, call point actually picks up and says, hello, uh, you know, what's their flow of conversation 
Like, do they match and mirror the tone of that person's voice? Do they have a beginning, middle, and end of the conversation in mind? Are they asking yes, no questions and kind of pigeonholing themselves in the conversation? Or are they using more open-ended questions to, you know, infuse some dialogue uh, and some life into the conversation? There's a lot of different nuances to conversation flow that a lot of sales development reps and salespeople, frankly, just don't have down yet. Well, I think part of the thing is, Companies have to be able to help the SDRs with some of the opening questions. And unfortunately, because I've listened to a lot of recorded calls, is that this whole idea about people being too scripted is, yeah. is it's not necessarily they're too scripted. It's they're not, they're not aware. They're not present in many respects. And if they don't see the opportunities to ask that follow-on question that's not on the script, they'll open the door to a greater level of engagement and conversation that's more natural. And I hear that oh, all the, sure. all the sure. time is, you know, the rep will ask a question, the customer will give an answer, and there'll be a pause while the rep is recording the answer, <laughs> you know, you're writing it down or typing it in. And then they go, okay. Yeah, next. And next, they go to the next question. Yeah. And oftentimes, the customer leaves the door open a little bit. And rather than mm-hmm. kicking down the door and asking the great follow-on question, of which there are several I'll give an example of here, is, is they sort of past that opportunity. And so, yeah, it never, they don't develop that flow. And that flow comes from being more authentic and more relaxed in, in the conversation. So, you know, a simple tip for people is, you know, if you've got that opportunity for the next great question, I, this comes from uh, several people, but a guy named Michael Stanier had written this book called The Coaching Habit. Sure. And a great book, if people haven't read it. And yeah. he's got a question there he calls the AWE question, which is the, and what else can you tell me about that? Beautiful. Right? Beautiful. So if people people give you an answer, but if there's something there, if you're paying attention, then you instead of going to the next question, ask that, okay, that's really interesting. And what else can you tell me about that? That will take that's you down right. a, that will take you on a path where suddenly you start you're starting to add value to the prospect because they're starting to talk about what they're really concerned about. And you've got an opportunity that maybe your competitor who's doing what you were going to do isn't uncovering. That's right. They you know uh, what you don't want to do is have your checklist of questions like you mentioned and just go one two three four without any uh you know preface for this prospect as to why you're even asking the questions and what it's leading to and i remember uh it wasn't long ago you had jeffrey gittimer on yes uh and i once attended a seminar of jeffrey's it was a good 10 15 years ago and he said you know just a simple one simple way that a lot of people look past just to build rapport and credibility is, hey, if you're calling somebody in Chicago, one question you might want to ask is, hey, Cubs or Sox? Right. I mean, sometimes it's that simple. You know, put yourself literally in their neck of the woods and start to build a little uh, rapport by being personable and personal with them. It just goes such a long way. It's not even funny. Well, actually, there's been some studies that have come out uh, recently about the value of small talk. So here we are, sort of a generation of Sales reps really being trained to try to dispense with the small talk because mm-hmm. you know we've got to make so many calls. You know, time is a premium. Da 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 da. Customer doesn't have time. Actually, what they're finding it actually makes a big difference. And oh. and they, so they've done studies actually on on. Uh, it actually started with animal studies, not people. But they're finding that just that just that once or personal connection from a small talk can actually make the difference between winning or losing. Oh, for sure. Without question. And these are super busy people, so be sensitive there to their time I mean, all, but it doesn't mean you have to, like you said, just dispense of small talk and ignore it altogether. Yeah. And so another thing about conversation flow, just 
that I think is getting back to the whole question, the answer to the two things. One is that sort of extend your curiosity question. But the other is is where the companies can help is make sure the reps have questions and why well, call them killer questions, but what they are is the questions that ask the customer something about their business that they should know but don't. That's right. That's right. I, and have it written down in, in front of you. Exactly. So, and those are corporate assets. I mean, you shouldn't be, if you're a manager listening to this, you shouldn't say, well, my rep should come up with those. No, yeah. these are things you come up with because you have the, <laughs> the more insight, the more experience in the business. You know, your marketing people come up with, but arm your reps with one or two of those. Those become great conversation openers. That's right. Uh, you know, wow, I'm really glad you said that because I think so many sales and sales development leaders need to not lose sight of the fact that they are teachers and instructors and coaches. They all have different styles. They all have different levels of that instruction that they're going to give or not give. But at the end of the day, you are your teacher and these, the, the, your team's looking at you for guidance and uh, you, you just have to be aware of how much guidance you think they need. Right. Okay, so last last of the five awesome. yep. is failure to keep improving. Wow. So I live in the Bay Area, as I mentioned. I'm a huge fan of the San Francisco Giants, the Golden State Warriors, the 49ers. I've been a drummer my whole life. There's a ton of bands I love to go watch and listen to. But Andy, not one of them has cut a check to me yet. No one has paid for my kids' education or put food on my table. So uh, I can only talk about and focus on them so much. So instead of going home after a day of hard work, uh, yeah, the game might be on and it could be an important game, but I know I have to sharpen my craft and I have to better my competencies and skills. So I'm listening to podcasts like yours. I'm listening to the conversations you have often with Bridget, for example, Mm -hmm. or I'm reading some of the books that we talked about and I'm just trying to better my game. Uh, I'm, I have a very curious mind and a very beginner's mind when I approach my craft. And I think a lot of salespeople fall short of that. And they're not focused on improving their game. And they're wondering why people aren't calling them back. They're wondering why they're not hitting quota. They're wondering why they're struggling. And it's a pretty simple fix. Like Just start focusing on your craft and being the best at it. And you're going to find... Uh, uh, you're moving the needle a little bit. So that's what that, that's what that fifth barrier really, really focuses on. Just fine-tuning the craft and your, and your skills around it. Well, I think using the word craft is something I really, really appreciate because selling is a craft, right? I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a, human, a human pursuit, and it's, it involves a lot of complexity, you know, between you know, two people that are, or multiple people that are trying to engage in this transaction. And yeah, there's there is this element of a craft that you have to, and I know that's a lot of uh, writing these days is saying that hey, it's all about the science of selling, and if you think there's still an art to selling, you're mistaken. And quite frankly, those people are wrong. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not either or. There's elements of science. There's elements of craft. You have to master both in order to be optimally successful these days. Amen. And and that craft is the importance of the craft is not diminishing. If anything, I think as we become more data driven, it becomes a differentiator, becomes more important. And mm-hmm. so, so to your point, Ralph, I, I agree. I think uh, we were talking before we came on the air about uh, a conversation I'd had with Mike Drapo recently from Sales Benchmark, talking about uh, the term they use is the sacrifice tolerance level, and that they use to measure sales candidates. And I think that's a you know, if you're listening to this and you think about that, 
what does that mean? It's yeah, it's what they're trying to measure as a potential employer is what sacrifices are you willing to make to succeed? I love that. You know, are you willing to sacrifice? I love it. Are you willing to sacrifice, you know, watching your favorite TV show? Are you willing to sacrifice Games of Thrones or Game of Thrones or whatever it is? And, you know, not that you, I mean, I, <laughs> I fly to Hawaii a lot. And that's what, that's what I use on, that's what I do on the plane as I catch up with my binge watching. Um, yeah, they're a perfect venue. Yeah, my daughter thinks I'm a, a hermit because, you know, she, I'm aware of all these cool new series that are coming up in this golden age of television, but yeah, I'm, we're making a choice. We're going to you know, focus on doing this podcast and other things that improve my craft rather than watching those at this time. And that's, that's what right. sales reps really, it's a deliberate choice you're going to make. Yeah, I feel, you know, as I, as I go through these, the, this sales career of mine, I want to leave a nice trail of breadcrumbs behind me of the insights and findings and recommendations that I want to contribute. Uh, I just think there's, there's a lot that salespeople are going through that others can learn from and leverage and, uh, you know, use that time to write a great article or something, or, you know, tee up the, your next 10 social media shares, as we talked about, or fine tune your profiles or read you know, a book. reach. Yeah. Read a book, learn, learn some new skills, uh, there's always something to learn and something to apply that's going to up your game. Uh, go, get after it. Yeah. I mean, it'd be nice if, if, and I think too many employees in general, not just sales reps, sort of say, look, I'm, I'm depending on my employer to you know, give me this training, give me this knowledge. And unfortunately, it, it just doesn't work that way. I mean, it may have been the case 40, 50 years ago where you know, companies embrace new college graduates and we'll put them through these extensive training programs. But that's just not reality. And so you know, reality is you, you have to take responsibility for your own development uh, first and foremost. Absolutely. It reminds me of a great quote from the U.S. Navy SEALs, and it's very simple. You're not here to survive this. You're here to take charge of it. Right. Oh, I love that. That's great. So tweak oh. your mindset to start taking charge of things and don't hope things happen and wait for things to happen. Instead, expect them to happen and take initiative and you're just going to create a much more entertaining and fun career path for yourself. I love it. Okay, perfect. So we went through these five barriers to, to sales success. Um, I had a great talk. Um, <laughs> long one too, compared to many of them. So hopefully people stuck around to the end to listen to this. So, yeah, so. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so now we go to the last segment of the show. I've got some standard questions I ask all my guests. First one, you've probably heard time and time again, hypothetical scenario. You've just been hired as VP of sales at a company whose sales have stalled out. CEO is anxious to get things unstuck, hit the reset button, get back on track. So what two things could you do your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact? Number one, go talk to the existing customers. And when I say that, I mean physically go talk to the existing customers and find out uh, from soup to nuts what were the critical business issues that they had before our company parachuted in and fixed everything. And how well have we done in doing so? That's, mm -hmm. that's one of the first things I would find out. The second thing is uh, probably unconventional, but I would really get under the hood of how effectively or not the company is communicating with the marketplace. I think uh, a lot of people overlook uh, the importance of great writing. Mm -hmm. uh, and what I mean by 
That is everything from, you know, obviously emails to how the contract is drawn up or how a statement of work is drawn up uh, and how things are communicated in terms of this is what you invested in us to do for you. And this is how we're going to do it and how we're going to measure our progress. I think those are two areas I would look at first and foremost. Okay, excellent. Well, I like that. I like that. The second one, I mean, I like the first one, obviously, but the second one, that's really one of the first ones that brought that up. That's, uh, that's a great answer. Okay, so some rapid-fire questions. You can be one-word answers if you want or elaborate. And the first one is when you, Ralph, are out selling your services, what's your most powerful sales attribute? I don't think about myself, Andy. I think about the person I'm talking to. Love it. Who's your sales role model? Ooh. That's a tough, that's a tough one because there's many. Um, wow. Uh, I like Ramit Sethi. Whoa. Okay, who's that? Uh, Ramit Sethi is uh, an entrepreneur and author. Uh, he runs two different businesses that you could look up. One is called Growth Lab, and one is called I Will Teach You to Be Rich. Very interesting. And he is uh, he's a fabulous writer and speaker. Uh, I actually look forward to the regular emails I get from him because I subscribed to his blog years ago. Uh, and I highly recommend people start checking out Ramit. It's right. R-A-M-I-T-S-E-T-H-I. S-E-T-H-I. Great role model. All right. Excellent. Going to check that out for sure. Okay. What's, uh, what's one book every salesperson should read? Uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Dale Carnegie. Number one. You know, after I've interviewed about 400 people now. And number one on the list by far. I'm not surprised. It's... Yeah. it's yeah, it must be in your bookshelf. Written. Um, just to be, a, as a human, not necessarily a salesperson, get right. that book. Yeah, get that book. Written in yeah. 1936, as valuable as it ever is. Okay, last question. You talked about bands and so on. So what music's on your playlist yeah. these days? Ah, good one. Uh, let's see. Uh, these days, I'm listening to the new Metallica record. They have a new record called Hardwired to Self-Destruct, and it's like bringing back the old school <laughs> Man, I, I used to listen to them when I had a paper route. I would be folding papers in the driveway, and I had the Kill 'Em All album on tape cassette. And uh, <laughs> they're bringing back that old school sound, and I just I love it. it. Gets me all fired up. Yeah, well, I was just listening to the new Green Day album. Uh, yeah, same thing. Cool. Green Day gets me going. Yeah. All right, good. Metallica, love it, love it. All right, Ralph, thanks for being on the show. So tell people how they can find out more about you, or connect with you, or find out more about ServiceNow. Well, thanks for having me, Andy. Uh, to find out about ServiceNow, just go to uh, servicenow.com or Yahoo or Google Finance and type in NOW. That is our stock ticker symbol. Uh, you could learn a lot about us there. Uh, to find out about me uh, on LinkedIn, I am Ralph Barsi, R-A-L-P-H-B-A-R-S-I. Twitter is at rbarsi, and I have a, a kind of a blog at ralphbarcy.com. I think I've got five subscribers now. I'm pretty, pretty excited about it. <laughs> but it's, it's another, every, another way to get to me. Every journey begins with a, with a single step. So, That's right. There you go. All right. Well, Ralph, thanks for being on the show. And remember, friends, thank you for taking time out of your day to join us here and make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. An easy way to do that is to make this podcast accelerate a part of your daily routine. That way, you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Ralph Barcy, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. 
And if you enjoy the content we're putting out, please take a minute, go to iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen, and uh, leave some feedback for us and a review. We really appreciate it. So again, I'm Andy Paul. Thanks for joining me. Until next time, good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.